This is Archive Atlanta, episode 143, Miss Atlanta. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey guys, happy Friday. So this week I'm talking about Miss Atlanta, the local pageant that started in the early 20s and went on for many decades in different forms and formalities. Like most episodes, this all started with one reference to a Miss Atlanta in the newspaper. I made a little note on my mini episodes list because I'm like, oh, of course, this is going to be like a little tiny mini episode. But the history of pageants in Atlanta had more in store than I expected. And like all things Atlanta in the 20s, this contest and the choosing of a quote unquote representative for our city coincided with the Forward Atlanta campaign and this giant marketing push to sell the gate city to the rest of the country. The origins of Miss Atlanta coincide with the formation of the Miss America pageant in 1920. In that summer, New Jersey Shore businessmen staged a fall frolic in order to attract tourists to their seasonal resorts beyond the traditional end of summer, which was Labor Day. So setting up a festival like this in September was moderately successful, and so in 1921, they sought out to make it a little bigger and a little better. Nine East Coast newspapers decided to hold a photographic popularity contest, and the finalists from each city would be judged on their personality, social graces, and during city-specific summer events, they would have lit contests. They literally called it Inner City Beauties, and the winners won an all-expense-paid trip to Atlantic City's second annual fall frolic. At this frolic, they would be judged by 50% audience applause, and 50% judge's decision. And after a day of mingling and a final appearance on stage, they would be selected. The 1921 winner was 16-year-old Margaret Gorman, representing Washington, D.C. As you can imagine, this was hugely popular. And so cities around the U.S. really wanted in on this publicity and bragging rights. By September of 1922, 50 city newspapers sent representatives to compete in this inner city beauty contest. The event was extended to three days, and the title was once again claimed by Margaret Gorman, Miss Washington, D.C., but she received a new title that year, Miss America. So that's the brief origin story of that pageant. In 1923, over 70 young women competed, 300,000 people attended the event, and it had become so big that the winners were aired via nationwide radio. Down in Atlanta in 1923 would be the year that we joined the party. The Constitution sets out to find Miss Atlanta, who would be sent to the International Beauty Tournament in Atlantic City. Family or social status does not matter. The city will fund any and all travel expenses, and five local judges will be chosen to select the winner. The rules were pretty simple. Any female, unmarried, resident of Atlanta, DeKalb or Fulton, was to bring or mail a black and white photo to the beauty tournament editor at the paper. Sepia photos were allowed only if they would print well on paper. And there's a little footnote that says, hey, you can feel free to send a bathing suit picture if you want. It's not required. You just had to make sure that the submissions were sent between August 12th and August 22nd because the winner was going to be chosen on the 26th. The judges were mayor at the time, Walter Sims, Forrest Adair Sr., Wesley Hirschberg, who was an artist and photographer, Miss Pearl Savell, who was director of the Red Cross South, 
and Mrs. Charles Jerome, who was arts chairman of the Atlanta Women's Club. The first three entrants ever of Miss Atlanta were Bootsy Perkins, Ann Kasnich, and Mary Rohrer. And they all lived in Ansley Park. So yes, the newspaper is like, oh, it doesn't matter your social status. But I think there was definitely a barrier to who could afford to get their photograph taken and send it in. And also, yes, I started to write down every single woman's name because the newspaper listed all of them. And then I realized, like, you know, I have to work and parent. And so I stopped. Um, but don't worry. So I will share some of the names and even some of the addresses as the story goes on. Howard Kingsmore owned the local Howard Theater, which stood at the corner of Petrie and Forsyth Streets. And so he was apparently friends with director Cecil B. DeMille, famous director at the time. And the news was like, oh, De- DeMille will agree to study the entrance as a favor to Howard. And that news spread throughout the city. 200 women ended up entering the Miss Atlanta contest, and the judges narrowed the pool down to 30 preliminary winners. They decided that these 30 would be further narrowed down in person at the Atlanta Women's Club. In waves of 10, Mrs. Alonzo Richardson, you remember her from the movie censor episode, is the pageant's official chaperone. And after hours of surveying each young woman, the winner is chosen, and it's Frances Thayer. Frances was 17 years old, 5 feet 5 and a half inches tall, 133 pounds, with blonde hair. And yes, I know the height and weight and dimensions of way too many historical women after this research. She lived with her parents, her dad was a staff mechanic for the Southern Railway, and three other siblings in a house that still stands today. She loved to swim, and being only four blocks from Piedmont Park, a neighbor would see her walking home every morning after taking a dip in Lake Claremere. She went to girls high and was captain of almost every team she belonged to, and she even knew how to drive a family car. Elizabeth Smith was... The committee designs a parade float for Frances to ride in when she gets to Atlantic City, and Riches donates an entire new wardrobe free of charge. The papers detail exactly what she was going to wear. The main event dress being a turquoise blue crepe with crystal beads, M. Greer Jewelers provided a strand of pearls, and she was chauffeured around in a Chalmers provided by Hibbard Robinson. So the sad part is she didn't win Miss America, but she did come home with a second place trophy in the chair parade thing. After this, the beauty pageant thing becomes universally popular, and you can see them popping up in smaller venues like beauty contests at the Southeastern Fair. By 1924, the search for Miss Atlanta started earlier and had become a bit more formalized. The Biltmore Hotel offers space for judging, and the Constitution staff photographers set up at all city pools to take photos of any bathing beauties that would like one. Local businesses promote, you know, all the gifts they're going to give to the winners, and Martin Amaris Jr., he was then known as the South's best designer, commits to designing the winner's gown. Almost 300 applicants submitted in 1924. The majority of the photos are in bathing suits. Judges were Walter Sims, Mrs. T.T. Stevens, who was president of the Women's Club, uh, Mrs. Lott Warren, she was president of the Junior League, Louis Hans, who was manager of the Atlanta Theater, and Robert Logan, who was an architect and an artist. They chose 38 preliminary winners this time. I think there was I don't know if like they couldn't reach a couple of them or something, but those women were sent to the Biltmore for the semifinals 
and then that group is narrowed to 12 and then later to three. The winner of Miss Atlanta that year went to Estelle Bradley, another 17-year-old who stood at 5'4 and 115 pounds. So her father owned a business on Cortland Street that made wagons and did early auto repair, and her family lived on Atlanta Avenue, again, in a house that still stands. The newspaper did an entire feature on Estelle, like, you know, she loved to play violin and dance, um, all the, just anything about her. The Franklin Motor Car Company sent a 1925 Franklin sedan to her house, along with a uniformed attendant that was to chauffeur her around for two weeks, leading up to her departure to Atlantic City. And this was truly a dream come true for a 17-year-old in the 20s. She's like driven from party to party to civic event. You know, crowds are coming out to get a glimpse of her. Businesses all over Atlanta are just showering her with gifts. Uh, When she visited Mr. Amorous, he decided that her gown would be peach-colored to honor Georgia's famous fruit. Warner Brothers actually reached out to her with an invitation to audition in California. Uh, Turns out one of the executives was at the Biltmore during the judging, and she caught his eye. She even gets to fly in a prop plane over the city, landing in Candler Field, and she even makes the cover of a very regional uh, magazine called Outdoor South. But did she win Miss America? Sadly, no. But she did win the Southern Division, and she was presented with a key to Atlantic City. And even more exciting, by 1925, she had signed a real deal movie contract and moved to Hollywood. And this is the start of the local paper's obsession with the future lives of former Miss Atlantas. When, who they married, um, Estelle's story is, it's pretty funny and a little scandalous, so I'm going to go on this tangent with you. She ends up making it pretty big, you know, for 20s and 30s movie star. Her films are shown at the Rialto Theater in downtown Atlanta. Everyone comes out to watch them with hometown pride. In Hollywood, she met and married director Charles Lamont, who is famous for being the first to direct Shirley Temple. In 1926, news comes out that the couple had secretly married just months after meeting. And by 1927, there was news that Estelle was filing for divorce. So that story quickly goes away. So it appears that the couple stayed married. Uh, Charles died in 1993. They had a daughter in 1937, and they would often come back to Atlanta to visit her parents, who continued to live at that house on Atlanta Avenue. So back to the Miss Atlanta pageant. Even with its success in the first two years, it appears that they did not hold this through the rest of the 20s. And there really isn't a mention of why. The press continues to ride the wave of Estelle's popularity. Um, The Constitution does something they called an opportunity contest. And it was like to find more girls to be in movies. To confuse things just a little bit, during the 20s, the city also got its first airmail plane, which established mail service from Miami. And they decide to name this plane Miss Atlanta. So that's a whole other history rabbit hole. Um, The plane like gets caught in a storm and goes missing and they find it in Cartersville and then we get a new plane and probably try to do a mini episode about that one day. When I researched the lapse in the pageant, I did discover that the Miss America event in Atlantic City was also going through some issues. Both women's groups and churches protested the event and it was starting to get really bad press. So while it was a financial success, in 1927, Atlantic City voted to discontinue it. 
cities like Atlanta were trying out new ideas to fill the void. One of these came in 1931 when the Constitution teamed up with the Capitol Theater. The winner of this pageant would be sent to Galveston, Texas to compete for Miss Universe. And this is actually the first iteration of the Miss Universe pageant. So it started in 1920, and it was called the International Beauty Contest. And apparently it did have entrants from other nations. So this specific event ended in 1931. The, the modern pageant doesn't associate itself with it, but it truly did influence the modern day Miss Universe, as well as most post-World War II beauty pageant models. So Atlanta was really excited to send their chosen young lady to Texas. Um, it was advertised that anyone who needed professional photos could go to the studio of Robert Jennings. Winners would also have a life-size statue made by sculptor J. Don Amazon, whose studio was on Peachtree Street. The winners were, and yes, there was two, there was a tie. It was Mrs. Pat Hall and Sally Jackson. They ended up crowning Pat Miss Atlanta, and then they gave Sally the title of Miss Georgia. There was also a Miss Atlanta in later in the 1930s, but this was part of the Progress Peach Ball held at the Piedmont Driving Club, and then that winner was going to go to Chicago to compete in like a larger peach ball. The true Miss Atlanta contest would return in the 1930s held at Lakewood. Charlene Redwine won in 32, Clarissa Wright in 33, and by 1934, Atlanta started the Miss Atlanta Junior event, crowning those 12 and under. And you know, I don't judge them. It was a Great Depression. Times are really tough for most Americans. Inexpensive diversions from everyday life like these beauty pageants were needed and they were really popular. And at the same time, Atlantic City decided to bring back their Miss America. The national pageant returned in 1935. Atlanta was ready to go, crowning Miss LaRue Wilson Miss Atlanta in that same year in a contest sponsored by the Paramount Theater and Lakewood Park. Miss Atlanta 1936 was Lois York, but by 1937 they were back up to a record number of entrants for this contest at Lakewood. In 1945, Peggy Harden was crowned Miss Atlanta and then quickly disqualified when they realized she was married. And it's really cute to hear her defense. She's like, mm, I, you know, I didn't think I was going to win. So, yes, I got married. I'm sorry. Um, but she, her crown was taken away and given to the runner-up. In 1949, they tried to do a Mr. Atlanta with two football players from Georgia Tech named Bob McCoy and George Gilbreth. By 1950, the Miss Atlanta contest was sponsored by the Junior Chamber of Commerce, and it was connected to the Atlanta Press Photographers uh, group or club. And at this point in history, we do not send the winners directly to Atlantic City. We are sending them to regional competitions in Georgia where they all compete to then get to go to the Miss America pageant. So this one, I think it was normally in Columbus, Georgia, and sometimes it'd be in other cities. 1948 was actually the last year that Miss Atlanta would go directly to New Jersey, but Miss Glenwood Park and Miss East Point took the Miss Georgia titles in 1955 and 1956. Generally, throughout the 50s, the contest had fewer contestants. Um, they're not these huge marketing machines that, like they were decades before. The 1960s brought the pageant to local television. And then in 1967, Miss Atlanta again took the Miss Georgia title. So I think it goes without saying that the women in the Miss Atlanta pageant that I'm talking about were exclusively white. 
And like so many parts of our history, Atlanta's black community had its own parallel pageant history. Through the 20s and 30s, there was a Miss Atlanta Life, referencing, of course, Atlanta Life Insurance, and she was crowned in front of thousands of people that would fill Washington Park. By 1939 and into the 40s, the black community had their own version of the Southeastern Fair, called the Southeastern Colored Fair, very original, and here they would also hold their own Miss Atlanta contests. Of course, none of these winners could ever go to Atlantic City or to Miss Georgia competitions. If you're into pageant history, you may know that Vanessa Williams was the first African-American Miss America winner in 1984, and our lovely state would not have an African-American winner of Miss Georgia until the year 2004 with Danica Tisdale. So there you have it, the story of Miss Atlanta. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or review. You can also visit the Patreon link in the show notes to support the podcast. Hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.